0: Hey there, I'm Ashley and this is New Day with Ashley. If you're looking for inspiration to make a difference and create lasting impact, then you're in the right place. Get ready to be encouraged by the stories of my guests who have taken risks, overcome challenges, and created opportunities. It's time to make the most of your new day. My guest today is always striving to be better than yesterday and encourages others to do the same. Dr. Carla Wolford is a chiropractor and a coach, as well as the owner and CEO of EHP Performance, a medical fitness facility that uses exercise and nutrition rather than additional drugs and medications to empower their patients and athletes to live a healthier life. She not only talks the talk, but she also walks the walk, setting an example for her patients and athletes. Welcome to New Day with Ashley, Carla. Thank you. Should I call you Dr. Carla? You can call me Doctor Carlo. <laughs> Carlo, whatever Just you doctor, want. Just Doctor, yeah. <laughs> um, and so EHP Performance mm-hmm. Medical Fitness Facility. Yes. So you're doing your chiropractic work, um, basically helping people not have to go the medication route, not have to surgery. That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and when did this passion? Let's like go back. When did this passion for like the health fitness industry even begin?
1: I think I've always had a little bit of it. Um, Growing up, I always knew I wanted to help people. And as I went through college, that kind of avenue shaped up to be, no, I actually don't want to be a traditional doctor because I didn't want to prescribe medicine all day. I wanted to be able to help people in other ways. And so that's kind of how I shaped up, went the chiropractic route. And actually, our business model now is really uh, something from 2007 when I drummed up in a, a business plan in graduate school and um back then it was sort of the like dream big or go home and okay. so I had this huge business plan and um it was kind of scary um so the, the big hairy audacious goal type <laughs> of thing and I didn't implement that right away um I had a, a small clinic and we had a small gym and um after the pandemic hit and realizing what it did to our members, um, not so much physical health, but more mental health. What, what being shut down really meant to them. I was like, no, like we need a place where people can come because I don't want people in the sick care system. I want to have people in a true healthcare system. And that's what we are striving to be at EHP. Okay. And as of recent, we have, Um, a physical therapist who works out of there, and a um, mental performance coach who works out of there, and also now just added a massage therapist. So we're still missing a primary care, and that's um, in our larger scheme of plans. Um, But we are able to prescribe exercise and nutrition and talk about sleep counseling and stress and kind of doing all those things that maybe your primary care doesn't. They'll tell you to eat better and exercise. But what does that really
0: mean? And
1: some people don't innately know, and they need to be shown how to
0: properly move their bodies, and that's what we're there for. Yeah. No, I think that's so
1: good, what <laughs> you guys are doing.
0: I mean, I believe in that 100%. Um, I mean, yeah, from like sleep, things that get like often overlooked, stress mm-hmm. of like, nope, a workout is not what you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to sleep. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then growing up, like, were you an athlete too? I was. Okay. Yeah, I did. All things, uh, <laughs> uh, I and still do all things. Everything.
1: Uh, I was not a specialist. I was just an athlete who liked doing lots of different things and being challenged in different ways. Um, I wasn't say I, w- I wasn't a good athlete, but I was um, definitely not one that specialized and excelled in it only. Like I didn't
0: just do the one thing. I just like to do lots of things. Okay, and so then you go away. You go to school, mm-hmm. and. Then you come, where were you from originally? I'm from
1: Barnesville, Minnesota. Barnesville, okay.
0: Yeah. So you do, you come back to the area then. Yep.
1: Um, it, it took me a while. Okay. Um, I was out of school for quite a while before I moved back here. Um, gained some, I'll call it real world experience. Uh, I worked for a company down in Chenhassen, Minnesota. Decided that I was not ready to... Um, Settle down and Chen Hassan. I seemed that I needed like a husband, a dog, a white picket fence, and two kids really quickly. Sure. Um, and I, I love Chen Hassan, but I was just like, all right, I need to like, Not yet. I need yeah. some other experiences. So I actually worked out in Vail, Colorado for a great company. However, they hired me to do sports medicine and it was not a sports medicine job. Uh, I did not last very long. <laughs> it was post-operative and geriatric. Uh, and as much as I love those populations, it wasn't, I was not cut out for that. And so I took a job in Seattle for a few years, and I, I loved it actually out there. But I was neglecting um, that focus on family. Okay. And once I acknowledged that, I knew what the right move was.
0: And so in twenty end of 2014, I moved back to the area. Okay, so then this plan that you had been working on in graduate school, this dream. It didn't quite happen yet. Okay, I, I, um, <laughs> I
1: decided uh, the way I work in the chiropractic field, um, I do a lot of different things that maybe not all chiropractors do. Um, adjusting is a very small part of what I do. Obviously, we talked about all the life um, stuff that we'll talk about and we'll consider because if people have multiple joint issues, it's probably not the joint's fault. It's probably an inflammatory or dietary, and so I dig into that. We'll we'll dig into all sorts of things, um, but I adjust. I do myofascial work, active release technique, acupuncture, dry needling, and so I have a pretty wide array of a, a toolbox. Yeah, uh, and then for the athletic population, I do a lot of like biomechanical and functional assessments because a lot of it boils down to people are moving wrong, which is why they keep having the same
0: thing over and over again. So and I'm like, I'm probably sitting wrong right now. <laughs> I am too. I am too.
1: I'm like trying to be proper and cross my <laughs> legs for yourself. You don't have to. No.
0: You can lay down um, actually. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a nice pillow. <laughs> not ergonomically correct, but no.
1: Uh, yeah. So I guess in bringing all of that, I was looking for a job and in my mind, I would have worked for like a larger healthcare institution. But after working in the field for a while, I came to understand that insurance mm-hmm. is a funny game. Um, <laughs> and you can only help people that are injured. You really can't help people that are doing pretty good. Sure. And that's really the population I wanted to work with. And not that I don't want to work with injured people. I That's That's usually people I see first, but then once I get them feeling better, then they're like, I don't ever want to go back there. Right. And so when I was looking at the grand scheme of things, one of my favorite things to do is work with professional athletes. And I think a lot of it was because it was their mentality of like, I really want to take care of my body. Mm -hmm. This body is my vessel to do whatever I need to do in life. And so... um. I kind of set up my sports medicine based. I don't take insurance. Um, I do take HSA and flex spending. And that allows me to use all those tools in my toolbox to not only help people get healthy but stay healthy. And unfortunately, unless I would commit insurance fraud, (laughs) um, I don't bill insurance because I would have to do things that are not morally correct in order to have insurance pay for the things that I do. Mm, And so that's the hard part about our insurance world is they'll only get you to what is considered their activities of daily living. Right. It's not your activities of daily interest. If you want to run a marathon, if you want to back squat two hundred pounds, if like they don't care. Can you sit on a toilet? Can you brush your teeth? Can you eat? Can you drive a car? Like those are kind of their standard or standards. Yeah. And then they're gonna they're gonna stop care, unfortunately. And so, I do think that there is more to it, and I understand there's barriers of cost, obviously, that come with it. However, if you do have the means to take care of your body on the front end. You're not going to pay for it on the back end, right? Yeah. And so um, that's just the route I chose when I moved here. Um, so I opened a small clinic, and uh, at the same time, I opened a small gym, and they were separate entities. And I decided, well, if I can help, like train other coaches and we can help 15 people in an hour, not just one or two people in an hour, then I'm going to make a bigger impact on the health of this community. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of what we set out to do originally in 2015. Okay, And then in 2020, we converted. So after meeting with tons of healthcare lawyers and figuring out how to legally uh, set this up, we became a medical fitness facility. Okay. So basically my clinic bought the gym and now every new athlete coming in actually has a sports physical with myself and then they have a movement screen a fitness assessment uh, body composition testing measurements all that stuff done with one of our head coaches and so we can help them best determine what's the right pathway for them Um, we used to just throw people in a program that they said they wanted to be in i look back and i cringe because that was not the right approach um, people might not be physically or mentally ready for that, or they might sure. not have the confidence that they need yet. And so, by doing this, we can help people determine if it is it. Hey, is it personal coaching? Is it one of our like beginner boot camps? Can we go into Elevate? Like, where where are you? Where's your best entry point mm-hmm. to meet you where you're at? And so, we're able to do that and then help create an environment for them that they can thrive in and that they can grow in. Um, And so that's been really helpful for us to really give them that knowledge. And then by having that sports physical, I get to know about all of the
0: things. Um, Injuries. Yeah.
1: And after bringing all of our members through them in 2020, I kind of sat back and thought, oh, my gosh, why didn't I do this the whole time? (laughs) Um, Super helpful. And it also helped our coaches um, to understand because. I think my coaches are probably the most knowledgeable in injuries and movement. And um, I mean, we've done like cadaver labs and stuff so they can visualize and learn because um, every week we go over athlete updates. And Mm -hmm. so if they have a physical thing like, hey, if John Doe has um, this shoulder injury, this is what's going on with the inside of his shoulder. These are the movements we want to avoid and just how we get him through some rehab to make it feel better. These are the things that you can do totally safe crush it on that one, right? Yeah. Like, so we really like to celebrate the things your body can do, not necessarily the things that you might need to be limited in. So
0: like
1: whereas if you go to um, mainstream, you have a shoulder injury, they're going to tell you not to work out for six weeks. But we know physically that can be very deteriorating. And then yeah. for people's mental health, mm-hmm. um, the physical drives the mental. And so if your mental and emotional health is taking a tank, especially this time of year, um That can mean a downward spiral for a lot of other things, so we want to keep people moving in a healthy way. We might just need to tweak what they're doing so they can stay on a path
0: of fitness, not sickness. yeah, wow, I feel like <laughs> the athletes coming there like they are the most monitored you know to set up for success I and, mean really,
1: and that that's our goal um you know, we want people to. I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't know if I should do this because sometimes it hurts. And we get to d- differentiate. Is that a pain that's going to become an injury or is that a pain like, hey, we can work through that one. And I think that peace of mind for people is super helpful. Um Because they kind of live in this world of unknown before. Um, And for our current members, I do free training room visits. So they can come in, get an injury assessment. Like I had a woman today have a little bit of a um, elbow flexor strain. And so we're just going to take down her grip activities for this week. Um, I don't tell them they have to get it treated, but I tell them things they can do for self-help and let our coaching staff know. So they're not going to let her like do 20 rope climbs tomorrow. (laughs) Sure. Uh,
0: And so that actually have an injury. Right. Right.
1: So, um, I, I recommend people use that or sometimes our coaches will also, um, be that kind of that spokesperson of like, Hey, I had, you know, Joe the other day and Joe was complaining of this. I really recommend he come and see you. If he doesn't reach out, like then I reach out to Joe and say, Hey, like if you're still feeling this, let's, let's assess it. We just want to make sure that you're, um, doing well. And, to me, this is a pretty awesome extension of healthcare because mm-hmm. in all actuality, I might not see in the clinic or Dr. Lazette or Mel or anybody, we might not see these people at all during the month, um, which is great, right? Like right. people are healthy. Yeah. Um, but maybe I see somebody for one hour every month. Well, if my coaches see them for five hours each week at 20 plus hours a month, it's pretty much a no-brainer extension of healthcare because they have the information that's needed. Mm-hmm. They don't need
0: anything extra. They have the information that's needed to help keep people in that healthy path. Wow. Yeah. And so
1: it just makes so much sense. Yeah. So is
0: this like finally now, like in 2020, then, and what you have today, kind of like that original vision?
1: Yeah. It's it's yeah? It's going back there. Um, we still want to add a few more healthcare providers. Right, okay. We are almost maxed out in our current location, and so. In the future, we do want to expand. I have a, a, a big, big vision, yeah. um, which I know we won't be able to jump to right uh, immediately because that's about $75 million. Uh, okay. <laughs> but we want, we want to hit one of those intermediate steps. And so we're actually at the point of looking for, um, just kind of starting to look for investors or people who want to be involved in kind of shaping, reshaping the name of healthcare in this area. Oh. And to be perfectly honest, I can't find another company in the country that runs like this. And I have searched high and low. Um, and I have people reach out on a weekly basis that hear about us and they're like, how do I, how do I do that? Um, in their community or
0: what? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've been, Mm. EHP has correcting
0: or, um, putting together the model then.
1: Yeah. So EHP has kind of been a model and when, um, they've broadcasted on different, um, CrossFit platforms or different fitness platforms and, when I get other healthcare providers, it might be anybody from a nurse practitioner to a PA to a PT to a Cairo, Like, they might be like, "How do I do this?" Yeah. Um, so I have multiple conversations um, every month about, "Hey, this is super interesting." Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think people are understanding the importance of it, which is great. Um, I'm hoping that it really catches on more in this community and right. Uh, that I start having some primary cares who, you know, they tell people to eat better and exercise. But if right. they aren't able to m- implement, and we all know motivation, motivation will last a week or two. And then if you don't have accountability or discipline, it it stops. Right. And so, yes, you have to have motivation to get you there. But if a prescription was written to um, you need to get your intake done at EHP from this state to this state, and so you can have direction on how to do this um because our coaches if you're not there for a week guess what you get a touch point so whether that be a text a call an email they're gonna gonna call you out Out? yeah (laughs) yeah so this is we are not that fitness facility who uh makes our money off people not showing up
0: right yeah on memberships Um, yeah
1: yeah and that being said we're also not that company that gets a lot of uh, New Year's resolution people. Most people, when they're like, "Okay, I'm ready," they like join when they want to join, and so right. we don't really have that yeah. influx like a lot of other, um, I'd say, like traditional gyms or fitness places have. Sure. Um, so it's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, some people are like, you know, the people might be like, "Oh, I'm going to come to class
0: a little bit more often," so classes might sure, get slightly bigger a little bit. But yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't really have the swells that other people do. Yeah. And then you're helping kids too. Yeah. So student-athletes. Yes. So what, down to what ages? So uh, we, we have programs for ages three on up. Wow.
1: Um, they are fun, <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, they're an interesting bunch to coach. Um, we do a littles class for like three, four, and five-year-olds. Wow. To be honest, it's, it's organized chaos. Yeah. Um, but we make fitness fun. Cool. And so um, it's mostly games that incorporates fitness and movement. And um, we learn, you know, how to squat and run and jump and hang and pull and do all sorts of fun things. And then right now we have a first through third grade camp. And then after the holidays, we have a fourth through sixth grade camp. And then we have teen programs that run all year round. So we do CrossFit teens and then We also have weightlifting, so Olympic weightlifting, which just started this week. Um, So we have some national-level lifters and some people who are just learning how to lift. And uh, so we do have um, teenagers in that as well. And then in our summer programs, we go fourth grade on up for strength and conditioning. So we work a little bit of more, like, sports-specific work versus overall fitness.
0: Interesting. So we have lots of things. Yeah, I think, like, getting them involved at such a... Young age? Yes.
1: And it's really at a young age is we're just trying to develop that, like, overall body awareness and athleticism. Mm -hmm. And once they know how to control their body, like, any sport's possible. Sure. Um, But it's really learning how to, like, connect the dots. Um, And I think especially through kids, through their neurologic development. So our kids' programs actually take a lot of that into consideration. Mm -hmm. And so we know that their spatial awareness does better when they flip and turn and go upside down and all the things that make adults a little bit nauseous. Kids actually <laughs> right. thrive off of. Wow. There's a chemical in your brain called brain derived neurotrophic factor, and that's basically like miracle growth for our brains. And adults have it, but our ability to secrete it is much smaller than in kids. And so we can really make that hormone like grow, grow if them. we are programming it right. So mm. a lot of the kids' programs will look crazy because they're doing so many different <laughs> movements. Um, you know, we incorporate some gymnastics. We do some weightlifting. We do some cardiovascular stuff. We do all sorts of movements. So kids usually don't get bored. Um, right. And I know I found a lot of parents that will say that, like my kids in soccer, but they just get bored. Well, in our kids' programs, we kind of st- we stop the workout before it ends. And when I say that is, if the coach notices, like, we don't start a clock until they get older, and we okay. say it's going to be five minutes, but at three minutes, if it's going, we'll yell 10 seconds, sure. and then they finish it, and then we tweak one thing, and we make it a new game, and they go again. And so mm. our kids' programming is quite a bit different than our adults. Like, right. our adults, we work to teach the discipline and that, like, kind of mental fortitude and kids just
0: don't have that yet so no. we are still like all about the fun and the games when they're little yeah yeah um was this a, like you know going back to like starting even was it a big risk <laughs> <laughs> what kind yes. of risk was that yeah did you because you left Seattle yes um and then you're like yeah we're gonna start this here in Fargo
1: yeah. So or Moorhead. Um, really big risk. Uh, I had a. I came home. I think for Easter one year, and I told my parents what I, I thought, and they were both so happy that I wanted to be back in the tundra <laughs> and um trying to figure out a way to make this work. Um, looking at buildings, I would have my mom and dad or like look at them, and then like Facetime me to like show me what was going on. And luckily, I was in a position where my dad farms so I was able to take out um use his land as collateral so the risk was him losing land okay Uh, so (laughs) I think that was maybe more pressure than the bank um having pressure on me so um actually our first building was purchased and so there was a pretty huge risk on that and then it was a three to five year plan to be in that building and about a year and a half we were like oh we are a bursting at the seams. Wow! And so then we moved into our current location, um, which was like a brand new building um, built in the Moorhead Industrial Park for a company that just never happened. Mm. And so we kind of lucked out there. And then last year, we actually expanded and took over the entire part of that building. And we're comfortable now. (laughs) Um, But... I think it's in our hope in that future where we're going to have to be creative and bust at the seams until then we can then
0: grow again, sure. So, would you be adding on there or just whole new? We're going to have to do a whole yeah. new we're we're at capacity. I there. say it sounds like in your vision, it is, yeah, a whole new place. And mm-hmm. I think you know you were talking about raising money or looking for investors, like there's not a shortage of investors that would be interested. yeah, I truly believe.
1: Yep. So yeah. I've talked with some, um, and it's really putting the right pieces in place for mm-hmm. how to structure it. And um, I really, I really want to be this catalyst for what what changes how we do healthcare here. Right. And I think you know Minnesota, sorry North Dakota, but Minnesota is so, traditionally yeah. one of the healthiest states. Um, and. I think this is a great place to start it. Not that people from North Dakota can't come; um, <laughs> it's not that at all. Um, but when you look at yearly polls, Minnesota tends to be there, and um, it's kind of like my life mission to like start with this area and then, um,
0: yeah, change change people's lives for the better in that right. aspect. Yeah, and you know, okay, we talked about also kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean. You're having such impact on like this whole population, this whole community, um, but you've also worked with some athlete, like professional athletes, mm-hmm. and you still do. Yep. Right? Yes. Is that like Olympic teams?
1: Yeah. So um, I still work with USA Beach Volleyball. Okay. I actually just got back from Dubai. I was there for two weeks. And wow. so I am a sports medicine provider for them. So I do sports chiropractic and I've worked with them for 12 years now. I've been traveling with them for a really long time. Yeah, it seems like obviously you're doing something right. It seems like everybody (laughs) that um, most people that I grew up with uh, on the tour uh, are retiring. Um, So it's weird. I just went to Dubai and I had like mostly all these young, younger players where I was like, okay, we are re-educating a lot on nutrition, hydration, like sure. taking care of the body, how do you recover? And it was great because I well, I had to use a different skill set than I had in the past <laughs> yeah. and really start to teach these guys about their bodies and when do they want to maintain them. And being on the road like that, it's part of it is about how good of a player you are, but the other part that I think they aren't quite ready for and there's a learning curve is, you're only as good as you can recover because you're playing a couple matches a day for four or five days on end. And so if you peter out at day three, you're out of that tournament. Sure. And so um, it was pretty cool to see that happen. Um, I've worked with USA Weightlifting and USA Track and Field in the past, um, but my bandwidth is only so big these days. Yeah. Um, really wanting to keep stock in like what I do here. Sure. Um, and being a mom and yeah, wife. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I work with professional yes. athletes in this area too. Okay. Um, I'll let them speak for themselves. I'm not going to like say names, um, big people, little people. Sometimes the big people are like, are you, can you, and I was like, um, I've been referred and they're like, dude, just look at her Instagram page. Like she'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> which was kind of comical. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I thoroughly enjoy working with athletes of all kinds, um, not just professional athletes. Right, yeah. But I think the thing that they teach me the most is that they've had so much care for their bodies and they are so fine-tuned that I have to be so precise and so accurate when I'm working with them because they're not looking for like, I want to get like 50% better. They're like, I want like the 2%, the 1 1%. right? And so it really makes you have to focus and dial in and, like, test, retest, test, retest. Like, how am I going to get them that 1%? And so I think the thing that really drew me to working with professional athletes is is just that. Um, some people are just fine feeling a little bit better, but these guys got to feel, like, completely better. Right. And so that to me was, like, okay. Um, so I do, I do enjoy all aspects of that, but and- that – that helps me working with the general population of athletes too, because I have had to dial it in so much right. that
0: it makes me sharper for all my patients. Right. Yeah. And having that experience yeah. of working with all those different levels. Yes. And then you yourself, <laughs> you compete. I do. Still yeah. At, is it the pro level or I don't know I what have, the correct yeah, term is. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've competed professionally as a CrossFitter. I've <clears throat> narrowly missed the CrossFit games a couple times as a a general population athlete um this i'm 38 <clears throat> so this year i i narrowly missed the crossfit games for my age group so okay. that's like a worldwide thing so i needed to place top 10 and i placed 13th so really just, wow just out of reach again. okay um so maybe like you know they always say like as you get older in your age group it's harder so like maybe when i hit the 40 to 40 Five year old, <laughs> will try. We'll like shoot for the shoot for the stars. Is that yeah. the next? <clears throat> <clears throat> yep. So age group. They go, okay.
0: They go every five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. So, how how does that even work? They take the top ten of what? Is it like a?
1: Yeah. So this regional is regional area or no, what? No, it's worldwide. Okay. So there's like fifteen thousand or more. Wow. So you were thirteen out of this. like. Yeah, of the entire world's thirty five to thirty wow. nine year olds. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm pretty fit for
0: my age. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would say you're doing just fine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I still love to compete. Um, I wasn't sure. And I I mean, I've competed professionally, you know, for money, but I wasn't sure after being a mom, if I would want to compete again. Um, And I had to have shoulder surgery. Unfortunately, I crashed (sighs) mountain biking um, and it didn't, yeah. I crashed and I tore my. was there. your shoulder. Yeah. So mm. um, a couple of years ago after having a baby, um, one of our coaches, Jenny, she's like, well, you need to sign up for the CrossFit Open. And I said, Jenny, like, I can't even move my arm. Oh. She's like, I don't care. Be the example that you tell everybody else to be. Do what you can. Stay within your realm and your lane. And whatever your therapists say you can do, you do. If not, we modify. And you just throw down to the best of your ability. Hmm. And this is this is in our in-house. And I said, sure. you know what? You're right. <laughs> and uh, my different physical therapists sort of let me go. And lo and behold, like even after coming off of that, I was top 10% in the world. So um, wow. after that, she's like, yeah, you're not done yet.
0: Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so, You've got a lot more so left. I, yeah. a, I still have the itch. Uh, so yeah, we'll see where this yeah. takes me. So can you try every year then? Yeah. Two? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So will you do it again this next year then? Yeah, we'll yeah? see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to, yeah, you'll, you'll do it. Um, so challenges, I mean, working out is a challenge, eating well is a challenge, but what about in business? Have you had some challenges? Oh <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, yes. <laughs> um,
1: I think part of the, the biggest thing is I never envisioned myself being an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I never envisioned myself being a small business owner. Um, in my mindset, I was always going to work in this big corporation. Um, but I soon found out that you really can't uphold those morals and standards that you might see are right that might not be that larger company's standards. Yeah. And so um, I really love being able to own my company and that our staff can kind of set those standards. And EHP stands for Elevate Human Potential, but our core values are empower, hard work, and personal growth. And that's mm-hmm. both on a staff level, but on our athlete level. And that we get to like see that play out every single day is super cool. But coming along with that, um, I will say my business skills are not super savvy. <laughs> I am I'm a visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I am creative in that sense, but I don't see details. And so, uh, you know, using strengths finder, you got to have people on your staff that see all those things. <laughs> and when they were first on my staff, I thought they were trying to rain on my parade because they were taking down my vision, but really they just wanted to make sure that we succeeded and that we didn't hit mm. those dead ends. And so, now I take them with a smile on my face and be like, all right, what do we have to do to fix those, right? like, yeah. And so having people on your staff that complement what you do and really work as a team, I have found that to be a crucial thing. I'm not good at being the only one that makes decisions. And, yes, I own a business, so I am the end decision, mm-hmm. but I really like to take the input of our staff. Um, yeah. I am super fortunate that my mother works for me part time, and, and she she's worked, the sweetest. She is, <laughs> yes. Um, she worked in banking for forty years, and she's great on budgets. And I am not, <laughs> and so I'll be like, "Can we do this?" And she's like, "No." Okay, <laughs> and so um, in my mind, I would just be like, "Yeah, let's do we'll it. it let spend the money." Um, and she's like, "Yeah, that's not smart." Okay, um, so. Is there a time where we can do this or, you know, basically we don't we don't go with outside of our means. Sure, And I think that's led us to be very successful because I've been yeah. able to lean in on those people that know more about that yeah. than I do. Um, but I've really had to understand what my strengths are and what they're not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is not a strength. Uh, the other thing in owning a small business I've learned is that you don't have um, – an HR department, an IT department. You don't have, um, you know, custodial, like people that do construction. Like you have to learn so many random tasks and that you're like, I never thought I'd be doing this in my life. Um, And I think some of my like full-time staff too are like, well, all right, let's YouTube that. Uh, (laughs) So Um, I consult with like different IT people and HR people, which is great because small businesses can do that. You can consult out those times when you need those things. Um, But finding the right partners in that is also crucial. But being able to like, be like, well, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. I think is a really strong um, attribute to be able to have. And I think that's something our staff kind of well, they're like, well, we don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, who's
0: going to, who's going to find out? Yeah, <laughs> One of us yep. is going to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I think those have been some like pretty big struggles that, um, is challenging. And you know, the other one too is like, when, when is it time to scale up? And as we mm-hmm. grow and, we just added another full-time staff member so that we could um, support our kids' programs and different yeah. – uh, we have a men's boot camp going on right now and we'll have a Not Your Normal Resolution Challenge. And so so we can be able to run these things full force. Um, that was pretty pivotal because I was being pulled in too many directions and I've acknowledged that for quite some time. And it was like, <laughs> when, is time, when is the time to pull that trigger? And so that's been super helpful and, you know – we know that we're going to have to pay out that payroll and we're not going to see that return yet. But six to nine months, right. we should start seeing that. And so it's trying to like, it's like, when are you bursting at your bubble and you simply can't do any more and then you're going to eat it for a little while yep. and then you'll build it back up. And so just knowing when to pull those triggers, I think is, is tough as an entrepreneur because you don't want to do it too quick, but you don't want to wait too long. And so I think that's just, and there is no magic eight ball. Like nobody no. knows how to tell yeah. you that. Um, it's just something you have to, it's like that gut feeling of like, it's time.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And just being self-aware like that too, of, of knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, yep. admitting to those. Um, <laughs> you know, you have so many different like certifications too. So I know you like love to learn about everything.
1: I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and which is great. Because yep. um, like you said, you have all these tools in your toolbox, but mm-hmm. then also, yeah, you're, you're getting pulled in all these different ways. So knowing yep. also when to just focus in. and, Yeah. And I think
1: part of like the educational component is we have a pretty strong educational component with our staff. So yeah. Wait, was that the P, the personal growth? Well, yeah, um, Yeah. part of that. But um, we kind of have an EHP credo that kind of embodies who we are. And basically, we're always striving to be better than yesterday. And I will say I have probably some of the best staff around because they are, they embody that. They really do want to learn and be better and grow. And that's not something you find all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Every single staff member of mine went through a mandatory 100-hour internship program that was unpaid. Okay. To learn. And they learn a lot. And then we continually have like growth opportunities in like our monthly in-services where we get to break down different movements or different injuries and learn about those things. And they're super inquisitive. And I've learned that they can coach really well, and I can teach them the nuts and bolts of what I have to offer them in that. But they can't be the doctor, right? Yeah. So I've had to learn what things I can be able to teach and distribute to my staff, and they can do really well. And what things they simply can't do, like they right. can't diagnose. Um, right. Yep. Sometimes I wish they could. Yeah. But um, <laughs> and so really trying to disseminate. How can I get all this information in my education? into their toolboxes so that they can be the best that they can be and that's a perpetual process we're not perfect right. um, but yeah. we you know we do a lot of coach evaluations on them and we try to figure out you know if there's something they're not hitting it's like okay if we see that across the board that's not on them that's on me sure. and so what are we doing or not doing to help them get that information so that they can be a better version of themselves and so i think a lot of it is self reflection and being able to take that in and say, okay, this is on us. Now, how do we get better? Sure. And what
0: is your staff now? How many do you have? Uh, we have eight. Eight, okay. Yeah. So what, started with just you? Yeah, I was coaching every single class. I, um, To be honest,
1: in our first location, I was working 5.30 a.m. to like 11 p.m. and I actually lived in the back of my building. Wow. Actually, for six months. Most of our members don't even know I lived back there because I had like a wall put (laughs) up, And so they're like, are you serious? I'm like, oh, yeah, yep. That's just where
0: I take a nap. I lived lived there. My
1: bed was there. I cooked a lot in a microwave. Um, Sure. And that was just sort of what I had to do to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so I get it when people are starting out in a business. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting sometimes when I get college students in and they want to make, you know – 50 60 grand right off the bat I'm like do you know that like gyms don't make money like we're we're happy to break even yeah Um, and that's that's this industry right and so we need that's why we're very conscious of what we spend right and when they hear that what I had to do to make this happen they're like oh you're right And Um, and so you know we just have to be very smart and strategic
0: about that and how we spend and Wow. And all of our budget. Well, I'm tickets. glad you shared that because that like just goes like a testament to what you've built too of like. <laughs> yep. I lived there. I mean. I'm I was so
1: happy to not live there anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> it was just something that I had to do. Right. Um I could commute back and forth from my parents, but
0: then I would get like n- two hours less sleep and it was like sure. at that point I'm like, no, no. We just need to be here. We just, we're just going to live here. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So no leaving. Yeah. (laughs) You're there. I was there. No calling in sick. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Any major like pivots that you've had to make?
1: I think like a lot of businesses that survived, um, through the initial like shutdowns in the pandemic, um, I was pregnant at the time. And so I was dealing with all of that. And, um, you know, we kind of found out the world was going to just shut down And part of it was like, okay, how do we keep people employed and keep people paid, but also serve our members who rely on us? And and community
0: is such a big part of who
1: you guys are. So within 48 hours, we lotteried out over $100,000 worth of equipment. Everybody got a package. Um, Everybody got dumbbells and everybody got a package of something. And then everybody was assigned a coach And then that coach knew their package, what they had. They knew their goals. And that coach sent them programming every single day. And then we had different Zoom classes so people could have that accountability. Um, But they were kind of doing their own workout because if they only had a barbell with super heavy weights, they didn't do a lot of reps. But if they had that barbell with light weights for them, like they were doing a lot more reps. Sure. Interesting. Wow. Or different things. And so being able to take a fully in-person business uh, brick and mortar and bring it to digital platform in 48 hours was hard and it was challenging but we did it and you know had to do it for quite a while until we could do outdoor fitness again sure
0: yeah (laughs) with space right
1: and so it's I think but I think in the end that really taught our staff how to just pivot and roll with it and we don't have to be so stuck in our ways because mm-hmm. it's sometimes okay to try something and tweak it until it's better. Um, it did give us actually a really great digital platform. We have nutrition coaches that work with people from all over the country now and okay. they don't have to be in person, right? Yeah. And so everything we did before was in person. So there's definitely things that we were able to take from it that I think are is helping our growth right now. But you know, in the moment, you don't see it as, right. This is a great learning opportunity. Not what we want to be doing at all. (laughs) Right. right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was, you know, that was definitely a challenge, but, um, you know, I think the strongest prevailed through it and we, you know, we kept a great portion of our members and I, I thank them for that. And you know what, if people were in a financial crunch, we asked them to reach out and you know, we'd offset their memberships and like we just wanted them to stay healthy. Right. And so um, that's another thing we do is we have a scholarship fund for mm-hmm. those um, who maybe financially can't quite make it um, to pay for it. Um, and we also have different opportunities to like work off memberships. And um, so we're sure. really all about helping people. We are a for-profit, but we sort of operate like a nonprofit in a yeah. lot of ways.
0: Well, again, like it, it's that sense of community, like almost like a family. Yep. Like there's – yeah. You yep. want to encourage them and, and to be their best. So yes. how can we help you do that yes. um, when they're showing that commitment mm-hmm. to want to be there? Um, what would be one piece of advice or encouragement to maybe another entrepreneur <laughs> who doesn't know they're one, no, <laughs> <laughs> or someone who just wants to make a difference in the community?
1: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I think you have to be passionate about what you do, um, or it kind of sucks the fun out of it. And so if you're passionate about what you do, if you're thinking about getting started, uh, I would definitely talk with people that you surround yourself with who you know have strengths different than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, if I only ever met with people just like me and my business would have flopped. Um, you have to have people who definitely have those different strengths uh Possibly in marketing or banking or accounting <laughs> um, or people who people who also aren't afraid to tell you no, that's a bad idea. And we have an advisory committee and, and they do a pretty good job of that. And I think that's been a really integral part, too. So, you know, it it doesn't necessarily mean they're your friends, but surround yourself with allies who are going to support you and what you do, but also tell you no when you're out of your, your
0: your lane. Sure. Um, and I think that's a really important part of running your own business. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So get, get those good people around you, be <laughs> passionate. Um, mm-hmm. and I can see you're clearly where you're supposed to be. Um, and it's great that you have such great people around you too. Cause I think that has just helped you. Agreed, agree. hundred yeah, percent. Even really step into your role. So, um, thank you for, um, being on the show today. Yeah, Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for sharing your story and thanks for everything you're doing with our community. And I am super excited about your vision. So, Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, that is... Wow, what a great episode. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always so inspiring sharing these stories. Remember to like and subscribe. I would love if you could leave me a five-star review. This helps us reach and engage with more people. Join me next week. And until then, make the most of your... New Day.